Welcome to Tree Talking Time, where we talk all things tree dogs. From the smallest fights to the largest hounds, drink squirrels to bears and everything in between. And from time to time, we might even run a little fast game. been hunting a little bit not not a whole lot i've only been getting out maybe once a week just to exercise them Mm -hmm. but it's so dang hot oh i know and dusty and dry and you know like we can hunt coyote and what coyote and uh possums and skunks and all that but like our fox season's closed right now it won't open till fall are you guys have like a training season nope no, I mean, technically, we can have dogs in the woods chasing coyotes and, mm-hmm. you know, specific game. But for the fox and bobcats, it's all like September through okay. February, March. Gotcha. I didn't realize. I mean, I know every state's different. I guess I'm I'm lucky here in the fact that for coon, fox, anything like the bobcat, uh, squirrels, anything you're legally allowed to pursue with dogs, there is the closed hunting season where you were allowed to take those animals but then otherwise there's no closed pursuit season oh so you can run all year yep and that's that'd be nice like i said coyotes foxes coon bobcat squirrels that's all you're legally allowed to pursue here in pennsylvania hmm yeah it'd be nice if we could just go to a year-round pursuit but Mm -hmm. you know there for a while in oregon there was the bird nesting laws so from i think it was april 1st or April 15th. I can't remember. It was when I first really started, but you couldn't even have a dog off a leash because of the bird nesting season. Oh, wow. Or they'd write you a ticket, you know, and that got lifted. Oh, it's been a long time, man. I, time just kind of flies by, but I remember when I first got into it, that was like a big deal mm-hmm. and a huge win for Houndsman. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, other than that, it's just trying to keep some weight off of them and not get fat in the summer and keep feet kind of tough. Well, I got my problem right now is I have both females in heat, so there's no going anywhere with them. And then there's nowhere to road a dog around here. There's no gravel roads. I live in a very urban area. Well, like not urban, but um, developed rural area, you know, suburbia has like spread out to us. And uh, so it's all blacktop roads ton of traffic so there's nowhere you can take a dog and just rode a dog and even most of the places i hunt aren't that big so this time of year it's hard unless you want to be in the woods to keep a dog in shape oh i'd imagine yeah i mean for us until fire season really kicks in i mean it's getting a little wild now we're in a real big heat streak right now Mm-hmm. and the fires are starting to kick off i mean they've got reports of arson on these last two that just kicked off Jeez. so i mean it's kind of sketchy down here southern oregon is just mm-hmm. kind of known for wildfires well, the whole all my is. buddies that i thought are nuts for living in tornado alley you know we <laughs> fight wildfires every year we lose our hunting ground can't breathe i mean it's Jeez. it's horrible and we've been super lucky this year with the weather you know mm-hmm. it's been pretty moist it's been cool, and then we got this just snap of heat, mm-hmm. and it's a little scary, man. I was thinking it about that. way too dry. While uh, I was out feeding my dogs, and we had just gotten a little bit of rain, and then it cut off, and uh, so I went out to feed earlier, and it was humid. 
And I mean, it's hot here. It's not as hot as it is there. You know, it was probably 90. But just with 85, 90% humidity, you know. it's horrible. And I'm like, you know, while I hate the humidity and I would love to have dry heat, it's really nice having rain and not worrying about wild wildfires like you do. Yeah. So it's like you have dry heat, off, man. dry heat and no rain, or you have humidity and rain. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like this year, you know, everything kind of took off because we got more than normal precipitation and then it all dried out. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. As long as the winds don't kick up too bad, it seems like they've got on these last couple pretty quick. So, but there's some big ones. I know that one down in California, that's a little scary. I got a lot of buddies and customers and friends down there and that fire is it's gaining ground. Jeez. You said that a couple of them were started by arson. Like who in their right mind? I just don't, that makes no sense. That's exactly what I said to my wife. I'm like, I don't understand who wants to burn the woods down. Like it just makes no sense. Crazy people, man. I don't get it. Cause we're not talking. I mean, it's hard because like, I love talking about the geography on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And people explaining where they're from, because it's really hard. If you haven't seen certain areas in the States, you just, you don't know. Yeah. Like there are places that I'm dying to go see because you hear these stories, but until you see it, it's different. Oh yeah. And in these areas, when you can look out from one mountaintop and just see countless drainages, I I mean, it's such a vast country out there. Mm -hmm one fire gets in there and I mean, just getting the work crews in there and the logistics, oh, yeah. those wildland firefighters are freaking bad dudes yeah. and some bad ladies out there. And they, it's funny because they, in the hound community, there's a ton of them. Yeah. And there are a lot of wildland firefighters that are houndsmen or dozer operators or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's just a group of people that they're salt of the earth. Yeah. I mean, they're risking it all. And it's, you know it's good to have them around you know, oh, yeah. just hate to see them have to be out there like that yep. and i mean obviously we i realize that fires get started naturally as well but when you do hear about the arson it just like boggles me because i'm like who like it makes no sense right they've never spent a minute in that location in their life prior to lighting that fire i'd almost guarantee it mm-hmm. because anybody that enjoys it why would you destroy your resource? Mm-hmm. You know, that to us, that's our, that's our sanity is yeah. getting out away from everything. And really like from here where I'm at, you're an hour and a half from the coast. You're an hour and a half from the high desert, you know, or at least the start of it, you can go four or five hours and be hunting big high desert country. Mm-hmm. There's so many cool like subclimates around here. I know the Pacific Northwest is crazy. It's beautiful, man. It really is. You keep telling me that. <laughs> but I love it back. I mean, I have a special spot for the Midwest because that's where I always went as a kid with my dad. We'd always road trip to Michigan. Yeah. And it's like, I just kind of, I don't know why. I don't know why I'm being honest, why I'm drawn back there, but I do like it. Maybe it's the, the fishing. Because <laughs> every time I go back, I love to go bass fishing. Okay. Maybe find a muskie or something. It was. There you go. That was always the best childhood memories was going back there and just fishing and checking out hunting spots, yep. watching dad and my uncle get ready for season. <laughs> when did you stop coming back? Man, I haven't been back in probably 
I couldn't even tell you. It was my grandma's 90, 93rd birthday, I think. So I'm going to say probably between six and eight years ago. Okay. But I am horrible with time. <laughs> it, it flies around here. Yep. Well, but yeah, it's been a minute. Why don't we actually introduce you? I mean, everybody that listens to this should probably know the voice by now. Um, it's a voice for radio. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, of course, we've got Jason Doobie, W, Hound Supply Extraordinaire Customer Service Representative. Is that what, yeah. What, what is your actual the, title there? Uh, the technical one? I think it was uh, Director of Customer Relations. Okay. Slash field rep. <laughs> slash whatever they need at the moment. Yep. When it's a small business, that kind of seems like you do whatever. Oh, yeah. The crew is... I mean, really, we're bouncing around. It's so crazy because everybody has to wear a hundred hats mm-hmm. to keep it rolling. Yeah, like we joke around. It's just like this big ball of organized like energy <laughs> that you just got to keep going the right direction. You know, it's because it's everybody's having to jump around and do different things, and it's pretty amazing, actually. Heck, I work for a company that's significantly larger. It's still like that. So yeah, it's a uh, it's a fairly small crew really i mean so it's it's nice that everybody kind of works together and they learn a little bit of everything Mm -hmm. you know obviously there's people that are better in one category or or another or they like you know answering phones better than packaging and order which is great you know um to have just kind of a little bit of a diversity there yeah but at the same time you can just jump over and go to work Mm -hmm. which is really nice definitely especially for me because i don't have to do like 90 percent of it i get to talk to people <laughs> yep. and i get to just uh answer phones i mean there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff but yeah everybody that's in the shop it's crazy what they do on a day-to-day to just make it happen mm-hmm. so kudos guys <laughs> if anybody's listening to this they probably get sick of hearing my podcast enough <laughs> no, i understand but we're going to talk about your dogs because like i said you never talk about your dogs or your stories or you're always talking to everybody else. <laughs> so They're more let's, interesting. <laughs> let's dive into your pack and, you know, your hunting. And yeah. so you where do you want to start? Uh, let's, I don't know. Let's start in the beginning when you were bear hunting, like when you first got in involved in hounds and you first got your first dogs. So, I got into dogs just by going to bear camp with a buddy of mine. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have dogs. He just talked me into coming down and I went, you know, one time and then it was another and another and another. <laughs> and next thing you know, you're just down there every weekend you can get away. I mean, and it was, it was such a cool experience for me. I just instantly was drawn to it because it was a family thing. Mm-hmm. You know, there were three generations there or maybe more in that camp by the end of it, you know, and group of just guys that get together. And it was like a, a band of brothers kind of mm-hmm. when, when it all went away, everybody kind of dispersed and we all live in the same town. And I might see, you know, the guy that really mentored me a lot twice a year, okay. unfortunately, just that's where we all met. It was mm-hmm. like the common ground. But yeah, I didn't even have dogs that first year. I had an 88 Toyota 4Runner, <laughs> and we would throw the mattress in the back, and my buddy Jesse's kids would uh, 
they just bounce around the back of my forerunner all weekend, <laughs> you know, or we'd be running around and trying to catch dogs and relay them. And I just, I had to be in it. Yeah. There was something about it. Definitely. One of the big ones was, I'll never forget. We were hunting down there and I was with my buddy, Jesse and Sean and Sean didn't have dogs either, but he had a bear tag and we're hunting late. It would have been late November, maybe early December. I mean, it was definitely snow season Mm -hmm. and we were thinking about getting trailers out, but all of a sudden Sean just stops his truck and we're kind of, I wouldn't say in deep snow, but enough. It's like, wouldn't stop if you didn't have to. Yeah. And I realized why he stopped and it's because there's like a 400 pound bear coming down the hill (laughs) and he comes out in the road and we're just sitting there staring at it. And I'll never forget. Jesse just looks over. He's like, did you forget what we're looking for? And and then the gas gets smashed and all four wheels are spinning and you're doing like the cartoon slow motion, hundred miles an hour up there to get dogs loose on it. And it was like that. That actual hunt, I would say, is probably one of the most memorable ones from like that first couple years of hunting. Like mm-hmm. that one just really stuck with me because it was a it was a great race. Yeah. It was a monster cinnamon bear. If I remember, it might have been just a lighter brown, but I'm pretty sure it was more of a cinnamon. But it was massive. And it was just like the camaraderie there was so much fun. I had to get a dog and try it, you know, of course. And then it was two and then it was three and then it was five. And then it was all the way up to 13 or 14 at one point. (laughs) Dog food was cheaper back then, but yeah, no kidding. Yeah. And then it was just, I got hooked. So I had to get a dog and I was lucky enough. I had a, a friend at the time that knew where there was a finished dog. And it was out of some local stuff, semi-local here to Southern Oregon. Mm-hmm. And I picked that dog up. Now, is that a blue tick? He was actually a blue tick walker cross. Okay. So the blue tick side was related to the blue tick stuff that I ended up with later on down the line. Okay. So same lineage on the blue tick side. Mm-hmm. And then the walker side Honestly, I couldn't tell you. I knew his mom's name was Bonnie, if I remember right. But she came from a guy that actually used to hunt a little bit with my great uncle down here, too. That's cool. And, uh, yeah, it was all stuff I figured out afterwards. Like, I didn't even know this going to mm-hmm. camp. And then I found out that they knew each other. And he since my uncle's passed on. Is uh, The guy that was at camp with us, he's still around here and kicking I don't think you could ever get him down, but <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just a grade Walker blue tick dog. Okay. And I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. It took a long time to make things work because a, I still believe this to this day, new owners, dogs got to relearn, yeah. the, you know, the day of the dog, you just pick up and go hunt. I don't feel like that happens very often. I've had this anymore. A similar experience. Right. I don't know what it is, but it's like, I just felt like it took a while, I'd say four months or so to get the dog in me to just click. Like he'd always go and do his job, but after that he liked me Okay, and we started really enjoying it. Mm -hmm. And I had a couple of pups to hunt behind him. I ended up with a 
a purebred blue tick, Haley, and she was kind of the first one that started the blue dogs for us. And I had a Walker blue tick male that I got from my buddy Jesse that went back to some Finley River bred stuff on the Walker side and the same blue tick stuff mm-hmm. as my purebred female and Dumper, the first dog I ended up with. Okay. So it was all like this weird, everything was still kind of tied <laughs> together in shirt, like shirt tails, but mm-hmm. yeah. And, and it was those three dogs for a long time. And I just, I didn't know what I was doing. So I struggled real bad early on. And I, mm-hmm. if I could go back, I'll tell you one of the dogs, his name was Dale. Cause I don't, I don't talk about this either. I don't name my dogs dog names. Usually <laughs> they're always people. So why is that? I don't know. Just cause I don't <laughs> like dog names. We ended up naming one Twitch and I'm like, Oh man, that just broke the seal. And then the next <laughs> one was Angus. I'm like, like, no, I just usually do people names. All my blue dogs were people names for sure. Okay. It, you know, we had a theme for every litter, <laughs> it, you know, you had a way to differentiate which litter was what, mm-hmm. but that, that Dale dog that I had, the only way I could get him from my buddy is he says, you got to promise to name him after my, my cousin or my uncle. <laughs> and uncle's name was Dale. So now we got Dale, right? That's an easy thing uh, to do. <laughs> yeah. It's like, whatever. And he was just like this kind of dirt ditter. He, he was not a real smart dog by any stretch of the word. Mm-hmm. And he didn't start early. He didn't want to do anything until he was well over a year like 14 months, probably 15 months. Mm-hmm. Um, You're patient. Very. I, <laughs> I am stubborn. I mean, honestly, you know, at that point in time, everyone's telling you, dude, you got to get rid of that dog. Yeah. And I'm stubborn because I'm going to make it happen and I can figure this out and I'm going to light the world on fire and all the same crap, you know, that we all go through in the beginning. <laughs> and uh, I was patient enough with him that it finally started clicking and I will swear to this day, that's probably one of the coldest nose dogs that I have ever walked behind. I mean, he was a freak as far as rigging old tracks mm-hmm. or walking old tracks out that you would never catch. I yeah. like you could trail that thing for days and never catch it because mm-hmm. he couldn't move it fast enough. But yeah. when it came down to just grubbing up something to run, he was something else. It's all those days when there was nothing. <laughs> Yeah, when there was nothing else to run, I mean, you were always finding something. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't wise enough back then to realize, you idiot, you're never going to catch it. <laughs> you're just going to boohoo around all night. And but at the time, that's what I—that's what kept me going, man. It was yep. fun, you know, driving around the woods all night and mm-hmm. almost getting fired from your job <laughs> for showing up with dogs in the box and ten minutes before open. <laughs> <laughs> Was that when you were at Toyota? Yeah, that was when I was working for Toyota. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. I'm surprised they put up with me that long, to be real honest. How long did you work there? I was there probably eight years. Okay. Again, the time thing, it gets <laughs> it gets a little hazy. It's been a while. Yeah. But yeah, I was there for, for quite a while. It was about eight, eight nine years. Okay. And then... Uh, had my injury and I was on to something that wasn't going to kill my back. Hopefully. Yep. That led you to where you're at now though. So it did, man. 
yeah that was uh honestly that was a huge jump for my wife and i Mm -hmm. because it was we took my workman's comp settlement and invested it in plum tree yeah and that's how we got the business started and it was kind of an all or nothing yeah like save a little bit just for right now but we're not at a point where we can ease into this anymore we got to either invest in it and make it grow or just call it quits mm-hmm. so we gambled and i'm gonna say it paid off i'm sitting here you yeah. know so it, it worked out in the long run really well mm-hmm. i have to say that was probably one of my favorite podcasts you and buddy did was the uh the plug, saga <laughs> which is what i and actually the funny thing is, is i'm the one that kept pestering you for it yeah you were <laughs> <laughs> well because you kept dropping hints about it you're like oh this is what back in the plum tree days and you know yeah, right. we were fighting and it was like, well, just tell the whole story. Yeah, no kidding. Get it over with. Because <laughs> Buddy would be like, oh, that's a podcast in itself. And it's like, okay, well then, get we'll it over it with. Happen. Let's hear it. Yeah, that was a good one. If anyone wants to go back and listen, I don't remember the episode number. but know, it was early. It was an early one. It was pretty fun, though. Because it's funny because we were both, I mean, obviously doing our own thing. And we were sending shots. But you didn't know what was going on in the other person's head. Like you could speculate. So it's yep. like now that we've worked together, I've been here God, over well, it's five and a half years now, almost. It's like once you get to know each other and you spend that much time around each other, now it's really funny to look back on it. Mm-hmm. At the moment, it might not have been funny, but now it sure is. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was how it all kind of started mm-hmm. oh, with the blue ticks and the business and the local dogs and there was a lot going on all at once and trying to become a houndsman and build a business revolving around houndsmen was probably like the biggest detriment. Yeah. That was, that was rough. Cause it put yeah. a lot of pressure on yeah. in, in some wrong places. And it made me, I feel like really miss out mm-hmm. on a lot of stuff along the way or not appreciate it the way I did or I would now at least. So when you were started and you were uh, going to California to bear hunt, how far was that from you? Mm, Well, we're like 63 miles, I think over the border. And then it wasn't much past that. You know, you were probably an hour and hour and a half drive. Okay. That's not too bad then. You know, by the time you got to camp and everything, it was longer than that because it was mountain roads and stuff. But yeah, it wasn't too bad. Okay. It was manageable enough. Most of us would leave Friday night mm-hmm. after work and drive down and get set up at camp and, you know, have dinner and then get up and hunt Saturday, Sunday and head home Sunday afternoon. Okay. And be home for work. Yeah. I just wasn't sure how far that was. I mean, you've talked about it a lot, but I wasn't sure. That was a, like I said, a two hour drive or a six hour drive. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Not at all. I'd say, you know, there's places even closer if you wanted to now that I know kind of the country, Mm -hmm. but that was just like kind of the historical bear camp. That's where everybody went for a lot of years. Mm -hmm. How many years did you bear hunt? Oh man, there was. I'm asking you all these time questions. I know, man. (laughs) It is so long ago now. I mean, there was at least one, two, three, four, five. There was probably half dozen to ten campers between the two camps at any given time. You know, different crowds coming down and and going. Yeah, 
there were guys in the same bear camp that I never met. And we went down there like, I think three years total. And we had never met them. Jeez. Their trailer was at camp, but you know, we wouldn't cross <laughs> paths ever. Like they'd come in after we'd leave and, and gotcha. whatnot. But yeah, it was, there was always a lot of people down there for sure. Mm-hmm. Now you said you bear hunted for three years then. Yeah. I didn't have dogs for the first. Okay. And then I was just down there for two up until 2012 mm-hmm. when uh, they outlawed it again. Jeez. Yeah. That was rough. Especially when you start making some, some dogs. I mean, mine yeah. weren't dogs that last season, they were starting to finally do something, mm-hmm. but you, know, you put all this effort in and then you just can't do it anymore. Like yep. swipe of a pen, you're done. What, what are you going to do with your weekends now? Mm-hmm. No, I, I talked to a guy from California and he said when they did that, he got out of dogs completely because he said the, uh, the local sheriff or game warden or somebody, I forget exactly who it was, basically knew who he was and was gunning for him and said, if I see your dogs chasing a bear, they will be shot. And he's yeah. like, I know if he shoots my dogs. I'm not going to take it well. And yeah. I'm probably going to do something that will get me in a lot of trouble and I will regret later. So he's oh, like, yeah. it's better for me just to get rid of all my dogs. There's a lot of them that did that. Really? I mean, it's a sad deal, but there, yeah. there were a lot of people that got out of it. So what are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, and then they took the cats away down there. Yeah. So, I mean, you got a bunch of fox and, you can still run deer down there too. It's pretty limited, but really, Didn't yeah, you can run deer down in California. I think it's limited. Don't quote me on it, but I think it's one deer per tag, or sorry, one dog per tag. Okay, so it's pretty limited, but there's a lot of coon hunting and stuff that goes on down there too, and mm-hmm. fox and most of the people that I've heard that continued kind of shifted into fox because it was the closest thing. Yeah. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. And I think it is. I mean, as far as listening to it, yeah, you're hard pressed to find anything else. that sounds like a, a bear race, you know, a Fox is when it's a good one, it's loud yeah. and it's fast. And I mean, it, it kind of, it's makes it more interesting to me than sitting around listening to a dog cold trail all night. Yeah. There's a time that's great. Like when you've been looking for a track for two days and can't find one. Yeah. A cold trail sounds pretty good, but yep. you know, a jumped hot running race is pretty hard to beat. Mm-hmm. So when you made that shift, you, I know you had blue ticks at that point. So how long did you continue to have blue ticks? I had blue ticks for a while after it was hard because they were kind of in that transition time. Like I was doing something. And I was hunting with some people and at that time it was great. But then I felt this shift, you know, like I wanted to do something different. I wanted to try some different things mm-hmm. and it's kind of, a, it's a rough step and it's a delicate step to make, which I probably could have handled a little better, but it's like, you've got a, a group of guys that have really helped you out, but then you're wanting to kind of shift away and you, you don't want people to feel like that the uh, investment wasn't appreciated, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, I was really wanting to shift over and try something different. And, you know, luckily I've got a really good hunting partner that helped me out a ton. 
with kind of shifting dogs over and thinking about things different. And I mean, without that, I would have probably never made the shift. Okay. But it's, uh, yeah, it was a weird time. Mm -hmm. It really was weird because it was, it's like, I just got to kind of find my own thing. Like Mm -hmm. I'm wanting to try something different. I don't know if it's right. I don't know if it's wrong. I just want to try something different. And, you know, looking back now, I'm glad I did it. Cause I could always go back. I would love to go back to running bears. If it ever opened again, man, we'd have bear dogs tomorrow. Yeah. But for now, it's like the way that I hunt with the kids and mm-hmm. having to just hunt at night. It's the only thing that made sense Yeah, going out and running on a Saturday. Yeah. It's fun, but it doesn't get anything done around the home. Yep. You know, it doesn't get anything checked off the project list or go to a karate lesson. You're stuck out. <laughs> chasing dogs so it definitely it, it was hard but it, it was worth the shift i think at that point in my life yeah to go over to run environments and it's been a ton of fun i wouldn't trade it now for anything mm-hmm. i'd just run bear dogs too if i could <laughs> now how many blue ticks did you have when you made that shift man i was down to hunting probably four okay I would say I would say four pretty safely because Henry was always there. I ran him up until he was just not in a position where he could keep hunting. Mm-hmm. And his son Ralph. And then Paisley was Henry's sister and Ralph's aunt. And then it must have been that D dog. It was a dog that I bought from Robbie and Lisa Brooks and shipped in. Okay. And she came in right at the tail end of that. But really it was, I hunted most of those on Fox still. Okay. I mean, I ran, ran Fox with the blue dogs in the beginning. Anyway, Mm -hmm. it was just a while before I really shifted the, the style of dog. Yeah. So we were, we were still hunting the same game, but it was definitely a whole different game (laughs) until we shifted gears and, and changed dogs around a little bit. And then you switch to, I would say, what most people in the Pacific Northwest, at least from, from an outsider's perspective, what most people in the Pacific Northwest run, which is some sort of running dog, tree dog cross. Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, I had to wait for a time to make a shift because I had so many dogs that were a very specific track style. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, you can't bring in one dog that runs a totally different style. Yep or you got dogs barking behind or you got mm-hmm. total train wrecks all the time. So I had hit a point where I had lost two older dogs and I had just decided to retire Henry because he was, he's getting old. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I didn't, I didn't want to see him go out any other way. He was, uh, he just hung out here and was a little farm dog and all my kids kind of grew up with him as their first hound. Yeah. But after that i was able to shift and i ended up getting two young females and then i ended up getting another one that was an older like finished dog okay it just kind of helped them out but those two rose and fancy were my first real introduction into like the pacific northwest varmint dog stuff mm-hmm. foxhound stuff and i got them they were about 10 months old I think 10 months or a year a piece when I ended up getting them. Okay. 
So I didn't have to deal with the puppies. So I don't know what it was like raising them as pups, but <laughs> when I got them, it was nice because they were already introduced to the woods. I mean, they were well, I'd say well started than yeah. the guys I got them from anyway. And then it was just went to hunting and it was like something I hadn't ever seen before. Mm-hmm. It, it's just a totally different track style and it was pretty cool to watch and kind of got me hooked. I would love to go back and run like this style of dog on bears. Cause I never got to really do that. Okay. All of it was pretty much, you know, I wouldn't even call my dogs. They weren't bear dogs. We had just started, but the dogs that I was hunting around, mm-hmm. there were some real bear dogs in there. Now the dogs you were hunting with, were they mostly tree dogs or were they, you know, it's so hard because the backgrounds on them. I mean, guys try to keep them straight the best that they can. Mm-hmm. But then there's always some puppies that you never know exactly which one they came from or, <laughs> gotcha. but a lot of it was, I wish I could track it back farther, but it was a dog that was related to like some hickory, nut hairy stuff. I went back to Finley river chief. Okay. And it was crossed on that blue dog. Her name was Lucy and she belonged to a really good buddy of mine at the time. And uh, she produced that Dale dog that I had. And I mean, I think there were three litters off of her that produced some really nice dogs as far as gaminess and wanting to go. Mm. And then there was another dog. I want to say he was all Walker, but I'm probably wrong. I would not quote me on this either, but I want to say he was mainly Walker dog. And that thing, Luke was just a freak. I mean, that dog, I watched him. 16 hours on a bear he was the last one on it mm-hmm. from beginning to end i mean it was to me that was like a real aha moment like that's what people are talking about yeah that dog that just sticks it out and it obviously it had flat whooped every other dog off of it or outran them mm-hmm. you know one of the two and 16 hours later here he still is you know that was and there were a lot of good dogs that came off of him too that are still kicking around mm-hmm. So a lot of the guys you ran with kind of ran, ran great dogs then? Yeah, it was mainly great dogs. I, I don't know. Like there was the occasional papered blue dog, and I think one of them had a papered plot at one point. Okay. But it was all just, I mean, bear dogs. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't matter what color it was. As long as it wasn't blue, in most cases, it didn't matter what color it was. <laughs> they all liked their walker dogs and plots and so you're the yep. one that really kind of broke the mold when you started getting papered blue dogs then. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was definitely not a thing around there. Okay. See, like, they I, had better dogs than me too though. So maybe <laughs> they were on to something. <laughs> like you said, you didn't have long enough to, to make bear dogs. No, I wish I could, man. I wish I could go back because they were some really nice dogs. And I know the lines have produced some really nice bear dogs in other States, mm-hmm. but that's how it goes man unfortunately it's too hard to travel anywhere else mm-hmm. like those those guys had some some real dogs and they were honest about them too i mean if there was issues it was it was a group of guys that i don't know everybody kind of held each other account i don't want to say accountable that's not even the right word like they would lean on me a little and be like, Hey, you should really think about moving on. Like this dog's not going to make it. Yeah. And then there were others that wouldn't say a word, but you knew 
Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, oh man, I don't know if I can handle this pressure, but <laughs> this, this is different because they had just, I mean, you think about it. I was starting with dogs that I didn't know. Now they had came from some bear dog lines, like the blue tick side, it had produced some really, really nice bear dogs out of that. And even when crossed onto these grade dogs, it was just, I ended up with that strain of blue ticks that was feeding anything else that really had a blue dog in it around okay. our group was all related in some way. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of, I don't know. They all fell in and they, I don't even know how to, how to say it, but being the registered guy, it was a lot of flack. I'll tell you that. I'm sure. I mean, it, it was, it was never ending. We'll put it that way. <laughs> Especially if your dogs aren't quite up to par, it's uh oh those papers are how many bear are they catching you? I'm yeah, sure. right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> them fancy dogs, fancy. Because we were showing them too. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I was new in it, and I was going to do everything, and yeah. I was going to like go out and catch a pile of game, and we were going to show them, and we did. But it was like at what cost? You know, the ego. Yeah. Like, come on, it was, it was stupid young hunter stuff at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And now I wish I would have been paying more attention and taking advantage of the time with those guys that are. Well, at the time you didn't realize it was going to end. No, so no, you didn't. It's hard to, you know, to, to appreciate what you have when you don't, until you don't have it anymore. Yeah. No kidding. And like you said, being young, everyone's young and dumb. Right. At some point. Yeah. There's a definite difference between. Like, I don't know, you say the dogs, they flip a switch, right? Mm-hmm. When they turn it on, it's like, oh, yeah, they're on now. It's like as a houndsman, too, I feel like you fight, you fight, you fight, and, you you know, you get to this point, and then everything kind of just clicks over. And it's like, oh, man, this is nice. Yeah. This is way nicer than beating our head against a wall every trip. <laughs> yeah. Now I know what you mean. Now, what's your pack look like now? You, you said you've kind of shifted to these Pacific Northwest varmint dogs, which from my understanding, like I said, is running some sort of running dog, tree dog cross. So what does that look like? Yeah. So right now I'm only, I've got three, well, I'll say two old, older dogs. They're like four years old. Okay. And then I've got one that's coming to, that's pretty, pretty well going. I mean, like she's doing a good job. She's not finished out, but, and then there's a puppy that's just, well, he probably just turned a year. Okay. So it'll be his first season in the woods this year. Mm-hmm. But that's it right now. We lost a lot of the old dogs in the last three years. Mm-hmm. They all hit that 12, 13-year-old mark. And yeah, a couple had cancer. And God only knows on the other ones. One had Lyme's disease. So it was rough. I mean, we had to rebuild with a bunch of young dogs and luckily my hunting buddy brandon you know i help with him a lot so it's like i can just jump in and throw them in and they pick up the program pretty quick <laughs> nice and then you just got to separate them out and make sure they can still figure it out on their own too mm-hmm. but it made it easy you know, easier to switch and start running the varmints and then when we lost the old dogs in the stay power like to, to just keep them going through that age, you know, cause they were, Oh, I'd say that first season I had them. So up to about a year and a half old, I mean, like they were cranking and you just hit that point where it's like, you can't back off now. Mm-hmm. And then I lost almost 
every finished good dog I had. <laughs> so it's like, crap, what are we going to do now? Yep. And luckily we were just able to put them on enough game to pull them through it. And they started going and it's like, cool. We, That's awesome. We can work through this. Yeah, it kind of happened to me a couple of years ago. I had a, uh, had a broke finished coon dog. I had, I don't know, he was probably a two, two and a half year old male that I wasn't feeling. I didn't think he was going to make the cut for me. He ended mm-hmm. up not. And I had a six month old puppy. So when she died, she ended up getting cancer. I had to put her down like a week after coon season came in. Ugh. I kind of finished out that season messing around with that two and a half year old kind of giving him the la- that last little bit of a chance right with some buddies and stuff and trying to put him on some game but put him on coon but and then i picked up a an old dog that was supposed to be broke coon dog yeah i don't know <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't so says the ad <laughs> yep which the guy was getting rid of him um because some family problems and he was free so it's not like i i had a couple hours to go get him but it's not like I spent money on him, so it's, I didn't feel too bad when the when he dog really didn't turn out. But and it may be when he was younger, he did. He'd been kind of he'd been in the pen for a couple of years. Yeah, so. that's hard on him. Mm-hmm. Pen stale is a real thing. Yeah, I mean that's and that's where I've really struggled recently. It's like I do not hunt enough right now to maintain the style of dogs I'm hunting. Yeah. I mean, by any stretch of the word, like they should be out there three, four or five nights a week. Mm-hmm. Easy. And it's like, man, you're just scraping together to fill up the gas tank. Now it seems like yeah, not good. <laughs> what's your gas out there. Oh, it was up to like five. I want to say like five seventy, but it's came down a oh, bit. It's in the low fives now. I think I got gas for four nineteen yesterday. Yeah, you want to send some out here? And I just got told by a guy in Virginia that they're under $4 where he's at. Oh, dang. So. Yeah, we'd kill for that up here. <laughs> we're we're like exercising dogs out of my little Chevy tracker right now because it gets decent mileage. <laughs> yep. No, I understand that. So back to your current pack, what's your puppy out of? Like, where's where'd he come from? He's out of California. Okay. From uh buddy I got down there, Clint LaRue. So he's a bunch, again, just varmint dog stuff that's been crossed up. It goes back to well, I'm trying to think. I want to say it's related to a bunch of that stuff we talked about in our podcast with Eddie Patterson and and Alvy. Um I don't know, to be honest. I just know he came from good stock. <laughs> because I know the guys that were involved in it, gotcha. but it's really hard for me because I deal with dogs so much and I hear so many stories every day. Mm-hmm. I kind of wait until I know they're going to really make it. And then I remember <laughs> what they're on. <laughs> sounds horrible. Clint, I'm going to have to get with you, bud. <laughs> I need a refresher because I know the dog's names, but again, you know, I get weird talking about other dogs because it's hard. Like, you know, people, take their dogs really personal too oh yeah and the bloodlines are so tight out here and guys are working so hard to make a real dog i mean like a multi-purpose the northwest is kind of a crazy spot to make dogs there's a lot going on why do you say that just because there's so many different types of hunting i think in the northwest between oregon washington idaho 
California. I mean, I'll even include all of California because there's a lot of varmint hunters down south. It's like everybody's looking for this magic, magic combo, right? Like dogs that'll go and push a fox, but they'll still cold trail a cat. Okay. Or they're going to go bay a mean bear and then switch over to bobcat and do awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, and and it's funny because like each different region has different needs. Yeah. So there's guys breeding so many different directions, but yet they all kind of seem to end up going back to like a lot of the stuff. Heck, the Turners brought in, Sonny and Chessie, and, you know, Mike Kemp breeds dogs out here that are killer. Mm-hmm. Um, there, There's a lot of guys on the West Coast that are breeding some really nice dogs that it's just tight. Mm-hmm. You know, and some of it you can get into and some of it you can't. And it's just kind of one of those things where you got to hunt a dog and figure out what you really like and and see what works for you because everybody's dogs are a little bit different. It seems like, like this pup I got right now, he's, he's way different than anything I've ever dealt with. Okay. He's a little bit, um, he's not timid. But he he can duck pretty quick. We'll put it that way. Like he can bob and weave, mm-hmm. and he likes to play the game of running in and getting out. You know, kind of messing <laughs> with you. He's all puppy, but it's it's like a different mentality. Going from blue dogs to the running dogs, I've never had to train a pup through any of this. Okay, you know they were even ten months old. Yes, that's a puppy. But when they get turned loose and they make a tree, I mean that's mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of training going on there. Yeah. Where, you know, this guy, it's like, yeah, this is kind of fun working on a puppy again. And I told my wife, I said, he's either going to be not what I'm looking for, or he's going to be the best dog I own, probably. (laughs) I just, I like him. He reminds me of that Dale dog that I told you about (laughs) earlier. So now I'm like, okay, I can't let the sentimental side overpower the logistical side. Like this dog is, I got to be honest about him. Mm -hmm. But man like what I've seen from him in the last couple of months and just his attitude and working with him and walking him and just working him in the woods at night and letting him explore and kind of see what it's all about. I got pretty high hopes for him. Awesome. We'll see. And that's it, man. It really, it's, it's bare bones skeleton crew around here right now. Well, you're pretty much in the same position I am with young kids. So I completely understand. Yeah. It's tough, man, because you want to drag home a bunch of them, but I can't do them justice, and I don't want my kids getting Mm -hmm. super attached either. That's always the hard part, bringing a puppy home. I'm right there. But you got to do what you got to do. Yep. I mean, I don't want to add a bunch right now. That's for sure. And it's like, but you don't want to get out either. Like, that's not an option. (laughs) I'm not going to quit running them, so... I just kind of decided, look, I'm going to run these dogs that I've got. I like them. Mm-hmm. I might not be doing them full justice like some other guys could, but at some point my enjoyment is going to play a factor in this hunting thing. Oh yeah. And I enjoy hunting them. So instead of switching and getting, you know, maybe a style of dog that you only have to hunt once a week and it stays tuned in and it does a decent job. Yeah. I, I can't do it because I, I like these dogs. So yep. it's like, you know, we just kind of do our part when we can and mm-hmm. season's coming up as soon as the rain starts falling and we start being able to really hunt, man, I'm hoping to hit it hard. Definitely. 
Now I got told when I, uh, when I had my first son, my wife had my first son. <laughs> Dang, you didn't have anything. <laughs> yeah. An old coon hunter's like, ah, oh, just get rid of your dogs now. I said, why? He goes, because you'll get rid of them in a couple of years. I was like, nah, mm-hmm. I'm too stubborn for that. <laughs> yeah. I heard that too. Not from my hunting buddies, but everybody else. It's like, oh yeah, you just get rid of them. Yeah. It shifted. I mean, you know this. We've talked about this a hundred times, probably. Yeah. We should have just recorded all of our phone conversations. I know. But it's uh shoot. If you recorded if you recorded your your day to day, you could probably come up with a lot of podcast content right there. Oh man. Yeah, <laughs> five to six hours a day on the phone, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's some good whopper stories. I'm sure. Some of them aren't podcast worthy. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hear a good story about your about your dogs now. Oh man, you were telling me one when we st- before we started this. Come on. Oh, the possum. That one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was a possum. The puppy did find a possum the other night, which is honestly right now it's fine with me. It's it's legal in Oregon. <laughs> I'm like, cool, whatever. But yeah, I just rode him and he ended up kind of boohooing around and waited for it. And, you know, like I said, he's a very standoffish dog. He doesn't like to be handled more okay. than more than he has to be. And he's kind of bob and weave and ducky. And that's what I've really been working with him on. But when I take him to the woods, it's like a light switch. He's a totally different dog. Hmm. And he actually started going off. I mean... Heck, he hit the side of the road. There was a little, little ditch bank there, right? And it's all filled with busted off sticks, like slash, basically. And he hits it about 100 miles an hour and just jumps like eight feet in the air, it looked like. It was probably more like three. But, I mean, he just comes like <laughs> Superman and up over this thing. It's like, dude, what is up with you? That's not your mentality. You're being yeah. crazy. And, um, you know, but you start seeing that shift in him. And it's like you could tell he was really trying and, and there were some other dogs there and he uh he goes down in there and i just hear him sound like he was wooling it you know and i get get to where we can see and it's like oh yeah he got a possum <laughs> and possums are like my kryptonite man like i hardly ever see them but when i do it's usually a screwed up situation <laughs> like the first one went i don't know a thousand yards up the mountain and my dogs would not take care of it. They, they just bathed the thing and ran circles around it all the way up the mountain. That's funny. It was a great idea when I turned them loose, but as soon as they started getting on it and moving, like this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. So I am probably going to kick myself for being okay with this right now. But that's that hard part. Like, what do you do? You're not going to shock your pup's first experience with a, yep. a piece of game. No matter how much you don't like it, at least it wasn't a skunk. Yep. I mean, really, like it was, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. And, you know, you don't want to really encourage it necessarily, but I sure the heck I've learned my lesson. Those early dogs got screwed up because I was way too heavy with a shot collar. Yeah. I didn't know how to watch a dog. I didn't know what a dog needed. Mm-hmm. Where him, I'm like, man, I know I cannot do more than tone or vibrate or like a, a number two Nick, something really light. So luckily the training and calling them off, I was able to call them off the game and, and get them to come back. But 
he was in a messed up spot. I, I did not want to go to him. I will tell you that. I was super proud of that dog for being able to cross the logs and the boulders. And it was like a big, I don't know, watching your kid do something. And it's like, oh, yeah, you're growing up. <laughs> and that's kind of how I felt with him that night. It's like, oh, maybe he is going to do something. Yep. Let's, let's just get you in shape. Mm-hmm. That way when season opens, we'll be ready to rock and roll. There you go. But, yeah, it's been it's been kind of fun doing a puppy again. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. How old, what's your youngest dog now? Uh, he just turned three. Oh, so you're due. You need another one. I know. Every two years, right? Isn't that what we're all supposed to be doing? <laughs> That's the lie I keep hearing. I won't hold you up too much tonight. I appreciate you sitting down with me. Oh, yeah, man. It was nice. We don't get to talk all that often. We're no, both we busy. Definitely. I bug you at work a little bit. <laughs> That's all right. You can call anytime, man. You know that. No, I love what you're doing with the podcast. It's cool I, to see it going. You, I've been watching the reviews and stuff you've been getting too. I appreciate it's, it. Uh, it's cool. Like the little podcast community actually yep. is pretty tight. It I is. think it's funny because a lot of people don't realize how how tight it really is. Like we all do talk yeah. in the off hours and yep. BS. <laughs> now I've been trying to get a hold of Bear actually for the last couple of weeks and he's been slammed. Yeah, he's been a busy guy. He's like, I know I'm supposed to do one with him too here coming up because we, we try to do one every so often mm-hmm. just catch up, but yeah, now this isn't a podcaster. We're not trying to do a podcast or anything. We're just trying to catch up and shoot the breeze and talk a little bit, um, you know, other than messaging. <laughs> well, what is it? The nine hour time difference? I don't yeah. even know what it is. Something in there like international dateline kind of screws things up. <laughs> I can, I can keep track of the United States, but him, that's a whole nother. Yeah, I always, I just know when I should try to get a hold of him between this time and this time. I don't know what that correlates to him over there, but I know when he stops messaging <laughs> and when he starts messaging. So I assume. There you go. But it's it's okay to be in that safe zone. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, man, keep it up. I've been enjoying them. I appreciate. I don't get to listen to a ton anymore. Just shoot, I listen to three a week. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> then. Uh, But I've enjoyed them so far, man. I'm glad you're doing well. I appreciate it. You bet. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Tree Talking Media. And until next time, keep them talking in the timber.